and novelty songs. Spurs, girls, and novelty songs. Spurs, girls, and novelty songs. Spurs, girls, and novelty songs. Let's let's really let's peel it back. What's in the boys. news? <laughs> What's in the news? Well, stimmy check part two. Here, I'm going out canvassing after this. We could do a practice. Okay, okay. Knock, knock, knock. Creak. Hello? <laughs> Who is it? Hey, who's at the don't, door? Don't worry about it. I'll, t- I'll talk to them. I'll get rid of them. They're probably just selling me something, like a vacuum or something. Hey, don't let them sell you anything, even political ideologies. <laughs> don't oh, worry. I'm um, not easily convinced. That's fine. Uh, uh, excuse me. Hello, sir. Um, I'm here on behalf of uh, the Milwaukee DSA to elect uh, Blob Schnoblin for uh, school school board. The Milwaukee District, who essay? District uh, Pi symbol. Um, <laughs> hey, honey, this guy is selling some pie or something, I guess. Do you want some pie? Yep. Oh, but I this goes against everything I was saying a second ago. But yeah, I kind of do want some pie. I mean, it's pie. What kind of pies are you selling? Um, my the the pie is a school board seat. Uh, for oh, I hate this. Never mind. I'm not gonna do it. I'm a Republican. It's because now. Scott Scott doesn't like being the straight man. He All doesn't right. like it. The the thing is, we vote Democrat here. So I mean, thanks for I guess thanks for talking to me. All right. Slam. Mm, yeah, slam. <laughs> slam the door. Oh, there you I go. guess I can't do this. <laughs> you're going to do great. You're going to do great. No. You just, you know, just give them, fa- just give people facts and you're going to get the doors closed on you and most people are not going to answer the door. So just remember that. If I too. can't do this, the next thing I was going to do was protest outside of the abortion clinic <laughs> oh no all right let's practice that let's do all right build the scene <laughs> oh god <laughs> welcome to swiss goods and Aldi hold songs. on no 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 let's practice it here i go i'm walking up do to do to do oh it's fine everybody do whatever you want this is stupid <laughs> there oh, god. All right, fantastic, very fun. Uh, welcome to Spoops, Scoops, Novelty Songs, the podcast about dumb shit. I'm Kelly. Marty, go. What are we reviewing? What are we giving our hot takes on Wait, this week? What's the name of the other guy? He he. The other guy. The canvasser. He, he quit. You. <laughs> oh, the canvasser doesn't have a name. Okay. <laughs> I'm Scott. Yeah, there you go. <clears throat> Third act problems. That's what the people want to oh, hear. Come on. Oh, yeah. oh, give the people. Now they can turn it off. They got what they want. I like they the idea that we have off. no idea whether, like, what people who might be listening to the podcast like. And we just claim certain things as, like, the fun The people who listen to this podcast don't like anything, Marty. They're, it's, it's, they hate this. Okay, do a poll, Marty. They hate themselves because they're listening to us. And I'm Marty. This week we're reviewing This Is The End, a 2013 apocalyptic comedy film written, directed, and produced by Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. In their directorial debuts, the pair have been longtime writing collaborators, but this is their first big swing at feature filmmaking. This film was based on their short film, Jay and Seth vs. The, Vol- the Apocalypse. I almost said versus the Volcano, which is the thing they're parodying here, <laughs> which features Rogen and Coley of this film, Jay Baruchel. This film is a send-up of various tropes of apocalypse films as well as of Hollywood slash actors, with the main cast playing exaggerated, mostly self-absorbed versions of themselves in the film. That idea was the genesis of the film. Rogan and Goldberg have, have stated that they always wanted to make a movie with people playing themselves where something extraordinary happens. 
This movie was a slight hit, earning $120 million off a $40 million box office budget. It was a critical success, most appreciating the movie's tone of self-mockery. The title of this movie, though, at one point was The End of the World, but was changed to This is the End at the request of actor Simon Pegg, who feared that the title was too similar to a film of his, The World's End, which was released the same year. Yeah. Did the similar release time hurt the perceptions of these movies? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Gentlemen, what were your thoughts on This is the End? Kelly, would you like to begin? I remember liking this movie when it came out. Or, like, being excited about it when it came out. And rewatching it is kind of hard because of... I don't know. It's just... I'm. This is, like, new neo-white male writers, I think. They... It's the very locker room type movie, if you have to I ask know, me. I know improv? Yeah. And it's all improvised, and it's just not as fun. I think what was exciting about it at the time was like, oh, I like all these actors, and they're all just like kind of goofing around together, and we get to see a glimpse of it. And now I'm just, it, who cares? I'm over it. It's, uh, con- congrats on getting funding to make a fun movie with everyone. This movie peaks at the uh, cameo scene of all the celebrities, I would say, the party. Mm-hmm. And then it's all downhill from there. It's just not that interesting to me anymore after that. So, so Scott, I love the Alien franchise, but uh, the the fourth movie, Alien uh, Resurrection or whatever, mm-hmm. is often regarded as like the worst one. And I've I've never seen all of it. I started watching it once and just turned it off, and then I've seen bits and pieces of it uh on cable but the scene that i like reference constantly because it just seems it's just like one of my favorite metaphors is the scene where ripley goes into the room where she finds all those like clones of herself or they're like trying to like create an alien uh a xenomorph ripley uh hybrid and she like comes up to one and it's like still alive and it's like kill me Kill me. So this is this is of the Apatow universe. This is the little this is like Apatow's like demon baby. <laughs> That's just like <laughs> I shouldn't exist. <laughs> of the like Apatow fucking oeuvre zeitgeist. This is a piece of sh- this is like not really connected to him. And yeah, this movie, uh, I, I too, like Kelly, was really excited when it came out because I'm like, I like all these people. And then it was just a big disappointment. I have. A lot of thoughts on this movie. I don't think this isn't the worst movie we've covered on the podcast, but I think no. this and Cabin in the Woods are the two movies that make me the most mad <laughs> because this movie has such a good premise. And even as like a these actors play themselves and it's just them hanging out while this terrible thing's happening movie, it doesn't even succeed at that. Like it's literally so boring. It's so uninteresting. The characters are all the same character for the most part, besides Jonah Hill's character who actually has like a character. Right. So for a movie that's like very based in the characters relationships and their friendships and how that's like the main tension in the whole movie. They're so uninteresting. Like it's so wild that this movie exists and isn't good. Like it's such a, 
it is such an easy premise for them to nail, and I think it's such a miss. And it's so disappointing, because it's like, I remember seeing this in theaters and thinking, like, this was fine. Not what I was hoping for, but it's fine. Because I remember being really surprised that, like, they don't leave the house until, like, 15 minutes left in the movie. And then the movie ends, like, so anticlimactically. Like, oh, we just have to do one good thing. Like, that whole thing is, like, so... And it's, like, a thing where they could have done a take on how, like, um, absolving works in certain religions. Like, how in Catholicism, if you just, like, say, like, I'm sorry for my sins, you're saved technically uh they could have done a thing on that they didn't they just said like that's what we're gonna do we're gonna do that as well and that's it uh yeah it just seems like a big swing i do think there's two parts that are really funny the are really great the when the when the apocalypse starts happening and the earthquake stuff happens and everybody starts dying that whole sequence is fantastic and michael Sarah's character is really funny in this movie mm-hmm. And why they didn't decide to do that with, like, everybody? Like, why isn't everyone, like, super exaggerated, crazy versions with some ground? Because the thing is, like, the whole idea is that Jay Bruchel is, like, I hate all these Hollywood people. And they're no different than him at all. They're not a nice Canadian guy. He's not even nice. He's, like, horrible. He's, like, so unlikable in this movie. It's, like, I just, it's such a miss as a concept. It's, like. I think they run into the problem. Everyone has to be unlikable because if they were likable, they would get saved. You know what I mean? So Correct. it's like they probably ran into that. They realize it's a plot hole. And then they were like, no, nah, right, Jay, you kind of right. have to be a little bit of a dick. But yeah, don't get me wrong. It just doesn't. It, it's like a shoebox movie, but they shot a first act as like uh, as for the trailer. And then it was like everything. They don't leave the yes. house at all. And it's like, what yes. is, what is going on? Why did you? It's just like. They they have a fun canvas and they sit in the bottom right hand corner of it the whole time. Compare this to Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of the Dead barely ever leaves like three locations and yet feels like we're constantly all over the place and we're and we're having so much fun. Compare this movie's sequence of the uh gro- or the convenience store scene compared to how Shaun of the Dead does it. Shaun of the Dead does it in a cheaper way, obviously too, and yet it's like amazing and so well thought out. And then this movie, it's like the most uninteresting way to execute that sequence like Mm -hmm. just they go to a convenience store and then some blue light comes up and people get sucked up and they're like whoa that was crazy like it's just such a miss just such a and it's like the disappointing part is like it's not a totally unwatchable movie there's fun fun jokes throughout the whole thing and like i said the jonah hill stuff is fun like that's a good character him being like such a sycophant is like really funny but it's yeah it was really hard watch it was a really hard watch as a movie, <laughs> we can. I, it was no, such a. We've we yeah. every time. Oh God, this okay. This is like the forty fifth time on this podcast that I've done the the <laughs> I've done the hack joke of saying we're gonna rate it too early, and then you being like, "Well, we actually can." <laughs> it's fine. It's really fine. Because <laughs> yeah. every no, time no, I'm like, "Yeah, no. I get it. It's okay. We can just move on." <laughs> uh oh, yeah. What's what's there to talk? I just yeah. Why this thing didn't work. I don't fucking know. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I, it's the thing is like, I feel like part of it, it, it fail. It like has further to fall when it fails because then it's also like, these people aren't my friends. Like, I, I feel like the, the, the movie has to like part of the ask it makes of the audience is like, you like all these people like personally and want to hang out with them. And then when when it doesn't work, when their like characters kind of seem flat, then I think like 
Seth Rogen sucks in real life. <laughs> I see the thing is like I think he's a genuinely great actor and he's clearly a good writer. That's why it's like frustrating to be like uh I just think this is a short film. Like it's clear this was based on a short because the short idea is fantastic. The apocalypse happens, but two dudes just hang out in their apartment and then like a fucked up thing happens at the end, right? That's such a good short idea for a short. And I've seen the short, and I remember the short being good. Uh, and then, like, as a feature, it just doesn't work. And the big short? Yeah, I love, uh... <laughs> Michael Scott in the big short. So good. Hey, yeah. <laughs> this is the end of our podcast. <laughs> hey, look at that. Full circle. That's the joke that ended it. I... I mean, I... I it's... The whole party scene with like all of the cameos, all the favors they call in. It's just like that's like the most fun in the whole movie. Yeah, and and that, I, and it's, that that gives us like twenty minutes maybe of like this is pretty good, and then you're like, and you think like, oh, if the whole movie's like this, this will be fine, and then it just like is such a fucking letdown for the preceding like hour and fifteen minutes after that. Yeah, because then they like I said they do a bottle episode. Sorry, I say mm. shoebox for some reason. It's a bottle they're both, episode. They both they both are the right, that's the right term for, for a either. confined space episode. The <laughs> confined space where they can't go out. Emma Watson comes back for like a second, and they don't Ooh. utilize her at all. Like Ooh. it's really unfortunate. the most like uncomfortable like bits where it was like it's like oh god, there's like so a world forced. where that would work. Like there was like for the first like ten seconds, if that had been just like a side joke, like if they had like rested on that for like five seconds rather than ninety seconds, it would have been kind of funny. Like you know what I mean? Like just like. Hey, I hope she doesn't think we're going to do this. Oh, why would you even bring that up? Okay, now be done. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, But the yeah. thing is, once a character says, why would you bring that up? I'm watching the movie being like, yeah, why did the movie bring this up? Like, why did the mm. movie, like, feel the need to include this? It was just, like, so forced. It's like, you could have set that bit up a little bit to make it, like, make sense. It's just like, why, why would his character say this in this moment? We're not, he's not established as a character who thinks like this. So do you see, he says this because... Oh, just there's a lot of that in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Emma Watson thing was bad. I think they spent so much time too on the Danny McBride, like setting up his character for the big payoff at the end. And like, holy cow, there's like 30 minutes of like Danny McBride is terrible and they all hate him and they're yeah. like feuding about it. And it's like, if that's not the whole movie, don't include it. Like, if it's not going to be that, it's like this is really about like all of their friends, these friends coming together in the end and them all bonding in some way. Don't include the thing about Danny McBride being unlikable because it just like takes up so much of the movie and it's very boring and it's so cliched. It's such a cliched storyline already. It's just like, uh, just do something here. Just do anything that's like a fun take on this. Like, it's right. just it's so Dan- frustrating. As, as someone who enjoys Danny McBride in small doses, he like does not hit the mark in this film for me at all. Like they just very much lean into him. Like, they don't acknowledge how typecasted he is for every role he's ever in. And they lean into it super heavy, and it's not, like, it's, I don't know. It's just not that interesting. It's like, okay, yeah. they got to deal with a fucking asshole, and but they're all assholes. So, like, I don't feel sympathy for any of them, really. And then the comedy just doesn't come out that hard. So I feel like what makes Danny McBride's shtick funnier is when, like, He's doing all that bad stuff he does, but he's supposed to be doing good things. Like, he's, like, yes. you know, like, in Eastbound and Down, he's, like, trying to get his life back together, and that's clearly, like, the arc they're going for with the show. But then when he, like, 
acts like a crazy asshole, it's even funnier. But when he's like, when there's no, when he's, it's I don't know. It, it this no, movie didn't a, have those stakes, so it just is yeah. like less funny. He's a crazy asshole who's just a crazy asshole. Like that's it. Yeah. Right. And in Eastbound and Down, like you're rooting for him a little bit, right? Like he's he has his moments of like, oh, he's trying to be a better person, trying, you know, like he's attempting. And then you also like have those great moments. At least for me, when I watched Eastbound and Down, there's a lot of like funny bits that are just because why does he know this? Like why does why does he have knowledge on this specific thing? Like. There's a scene early on in Eastbound and Down where they have like a, a big banner of him on a wall as like an advertisement for the minor league team. And he's mad about how low the resolution is and says, motherfuckers should be using TIFF files. And it's like, that shit gets me. But That's then there's bit. none of that in this movie at all. He's just an asshole. He likes, he likes coming. He likes eating. He likes drinking. He likes making God. gay jokes. Like, yeah, just doesn't hit home. Two scenes where they they have to show that he's bad because he's eating all the food. It happens, mm-hmm. once, dude, and then like again, like thirty minutes later. And then the with like the water or does I forget. The water I just remember one? being like, oh, they're doing a second. He's eating all the food scene, and he did the cinnamon toast crunch. He like ate it all, and they're all like, oh my god, he ate all the food. It's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, you did this already. <laughs> like this yeah. is when I was talking about CB four last week. When I was like, CB four has a bunch of different jokes. This movie has like two jokes the whole time. It's just like dick joke, coming joke, over and over and over and over and over again. And I'm just like, ah, oh, like this has such this idea has such potential for like so much fun and so much playfulness and they just were like what if we do like the most uninteresting version there's of literally this? like a the scene where like <laughs> it's just them like they're it's they're trying to go to sleep at night and they're all scared and so like one guy comes in like hey can i sleep in here i'm scared yeah hey can i come sleep in here i'm oh scared God, it takes like yeah. 20 minutes hey can i come sleep in here i'm scared yeah and then it just, just ends like, hey, let's, we're spooning. And like, and yeah, and this is 45 minutes of the movie. The idea there is like Jay Bruchel is uncomfortable with all these people. So like each one of them coming one at a time could be a funny thing. But we're not endeared enough to his character to care if he's uncomfortable. If anything, Rogan is way more likable than Bruchel. And I'm kind of like, yeah, this guy is like an asshole. I get why you're like annoyed that he won't just like hang out with your friends i kind of don't get why virtual's the main character he works better as the antagonist in this movie in my opinion <laughs> yeah there was a there was a big i had a big if he, Go ahead. It, it would be more interesting if he was the one who got possessed right right mm-hmm. right right uh and they don't even pay that off in, in a good way like he gets possessed by a demon and then like the end of it is like they light him on fire and he dies holy cow what that's what you came up yeah with? and that's oh, another that's... 45 minutes of the movie dude uh, when Jay Bruchel lands in Los Angeles, and I don't think I'm saying his name right, am I? <laughs> Just call him sure. Jay, it's fine. Jay. When Jay lands, he's like, I gotta go to Carl's Jr., and I immediately was just like, no one would land in L.A., and that's no. the place they want to go to first. You Maybe would want to go to, like, out. you would want to go to In-N-Out, right? Like, yeah. Or, like, there's Hardee's everywhere. Like, there's definitely Hardee's. There's got to be Hardee's in Canada. I can't right? believe so, like, this is a critique you're making. I can't believe this is. <laughs> yeah, this is a weird hill to, so like, much. sort it of bring up and die so- on. <laughs> they were fishing for sponsors. Like, in and outs yes. not going to have the money to pay for that. And then they do the Milky Way sponsorship later. Yes. No, you're right. in and out they reference it later, too, which is why I think they were trying to do it. It's product placement. Okay, yeah, it was, then, yes. then that is a worthwhile critique. Okay, yeah. fuck yeah. It's like, it just pulled, it immediately pulled me out of the movie, because I'm like, nobody would ever say this. 
this is such a weird moment to see them Marty, eat like yeah. low average. I want tater tots right from Sonic. <laughs> you're on your yes. high horse right now, Marty, because guess what? Not everyone has a Carl's Jr., okay? We barely even have a Hardee's where we live in the Midwest. You have to drive like 30 <laughs> minutes out of the way to get a Hardee's. That's not Carl's Jr., baby. Not true. They I'm have different right logos. I don't care if they serve the same food. Yeah. It's not the same experience, okay? Scott's got two in like I don't mean minutes. to brag, but yeah, I can get yeah. to Hardee's in like seven minutes. Again, Hardee's, not Carl's Jr. <laughs> to be I fair, rest my case, Your Honor. Objection. Scott. Sustained. Overruled. Oh Scott is near like a chain, a whole like run of fast food options. He can just go any fast food he wants down there. Cut to me like that thing like in old movies of the neon signs like flying past my like windshield and I'm like looking with amazement at each one. Um, This movie, a comedy like this, like a narrative comedy like this needs emotional stakes. And the reason this movie doesn't work uh overall is just because you don't buy into any of these characters and like part of it is like we've been saying that they make everybody like unlikable um and 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 a movie doesn't give you time to like i feel like series can do a better job of having like anti-heroes and like unlikable main characters because they there's enough time to give you that like little bit of like humanity or like yeah like show that like yes they're a piece of shit but they're trying and then that like it you know is that little like silver lining that gets you to hold on and this 90 they're trying to jam so much into this like apocalypse comedy that they don't give you time to i feel like making making the characters be these like actors that you know and are supposed to like is like them trying to take a shortcut to giving this movie emotional yes. stakes and it just doesn't fucking work. I don't give a fuck about Jay Baruchel. I don't and care. They're Sorry, not dude. Unli- My problem with it more is that they're not unlikable in different enough ways. They're too similarly unlikable and that is what... If they were all like bigger... Their personalities need to be bigger to make this work, I think. And the only one who has like a very like strong is Jonah Hill's character, which is the part that works in this movie, is his character being like yeah, man, I like weed. Weed is tight when Jay, Jay is like, I like weed. And he's like, yeah, weed is cool. It's like, that's funny. That's good. Yeah. Him, like, yeah him everybody being else like, like the cloying same. and like trying so hard to be friends is funny. Like, it's, yeah, he, well, he has like, like a good angle. Nobody else really has an angle. Sorry, Kelly. Well, no, I, I, I mean, with, with Jonah Hill, like him playing someone other than himself, like he's clearly doing something other than what he would act like in real life. And it works because of that. Like, Michael Sarah is the same situation. It's funny because he's like, this is not how he is in real life. So, like, whatever, it's not what you would expect from him. Maybe it is how he is in real life. But the joke is obviously that, no, he's not like that at all. They're going to exaggerate. Not even exaggerate. Just, like, flip him on his head. And I think one of the reasons that I used to like this movie or that I used to enjoy it is because I used to like all the actors in it. And I probably put them on a pedestal and then like the last three or four years happened where it's like, oh, we shouldn't do that with celebrities anymore. And now I don't do that. And now it's like watching this again is like, oh, this sucks. Like this is very much them like having too big of egos and making a movie and profiting off of their egos essentially and off of the fandom around them and are like, like not about it anymore to your point kelly we're like we know michael Sarah doesn't act like that and we know uh, uh 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 jonah hill doesn't act like that but like 
Seth Rogen and Jay Berry's and fucking Craig Robinson, too. Craig Robinson, doing the take your pants off, like taking James over the Franco. party. They might, for all I fucking know, they do. I don't fucking know how yeah. they act like. Yeah, yeah that's especially like, James like, Franco. Like we have no idea how much of an asshole he is. Yeah, camera. yeah. Like, oh, the Renaissance man, James Franco, being like a fucking like uh, egotistical, like weird freak. He probably fucking is. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's probably a lot of writing from what they know for that character because he's like a shitty dude. And the take your panties off thing. And he was wearing, oh my God, thank you. I'm so glad you reminded me of this. And the shirt he's wearing that like, it's the black t-shirt with like the neon aerial like font that says like some like party with sluts, like some nasty fucking thing on it. And Craig Robinson has, that was like very like early, early 20 teens. You know what I'm talking about? Like that t-shirt. That yeah, those horrible T-shirts. Uh, he's wearing one of those. <laughs> yeah. Why? Why is that one of his characters' things? Is he has a catchphrase that's "Take your panties off." This is. I hate it. They really, like I said, they put a lot of money into that bit, paying off, and it wasn't. It didn't. <laughs> I just like what is it? Like yeah, I'm wearing the shirt in heaven that says "Take your panties off." Like. What is what is, like what cool. is it like yeah what is this like legitimately what is this yeah and then the movie in, ends we're going in for the close I think with uh fucking like an an in end sync play they all go get Backstreet to heaven boys. and then or sorry Backstreet excuse boys. me the Backstreet Boys are in there and they they play Backstreet's back all right in heaven so it ends in like this weird and like uh, memes like what the fuck is yeah. this movie like yeah I know. <laughs> yeah. I think the one thing I liked about it is, I don't know, it's like you're in heaven, you can get anything you want, and it would be funny to just to be like, I want the Backstreet Boys to play, and then they do, but still. It, that needed to be a funnier idea, then. That needed to be a, a more cr- wacky thing, because just picking yeah. a band that plays county fairs at that time in their career, not that funny. Like, it's just not that funny. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, that one-hit wonder band. Okay, great. <laughs> like, not funny enough. So that was, random. You know what that... That was like the Michael Bolton working with Lonely Island thing where that kind of became like a thing for a lot of comedy was like, what if we reference this one hit wonder guy and they're now they're in the world. And it's like it worked for Lonely Island and it didn't work for anybody else ever. So don't do this. I'm not a huge fan of even the fuck. I think I think it's fine, but I think Lonely Island has like way better material than the Michael Bolton. For sure. Like, I think even 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 done well, it's not an A tier joke to me. Yes. I think Michael Bolton's big sexy Valentine's Day is something we should discuss at some point because yeah, we could do that. Rips. Put it on the list. It's a, it's a spoof of a Christmas special. We'll do, we'll do it, it roughly next Valentine's Day if we're still yeah, together. Eleven months broken from up now. By then. First, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's As, the end of cuffing season for podcasts. <laughs> as a movie, as a movie, four out of ten. It's like an average watch. There's some good jokes. The opening is really strong. It's really frustrating, but it's still not like a terrible, terrible time. It's just like more of a, ah, this could be better kind of situation. And as a spoof, four out of ten, because I think like it's barely, I don't even think they would call it a spoof of Apocalypse movies because it's really just not. Uh, The spoof of actor stuff works at times, but mostly it's a miss. Like it's mostly just like does not work. So it gets a failing grade. I did like though that it's like the literal apocalypse. I like that it's the biblical apocalypse. I thought that was a good choice. Uh, again, they didn't like 
they didn't go into that enough. They kind of just went with the laziest humor involved with that from there. Exploring the the fine print of the Bible is like a rich a rich vein of yes comedy. I don't think anyone's ever done that in film. <laughs> I think this is the first time someone did that. <laughs> That's a good point, Kelly. So ten out of ten. Yeah, <laughs> really groundbreaking stuff from yeah Judd. Uh, I give it a five out of ten as a movie. It was fine. I think it was a lot more fun when it came out. It's kind of like a, it's going to be like a time capsule movie in 10, 20 years. Um, sort of signifying the times and the popularity around everyone. I would put $20 on that take. And uh, as a spoof, I don't know, 5 out of 10, 6, six out of 10. Because they're spoofing themselves. But we don't know really what they're like. So, Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean just yeah mirroring what you guys said uh as as a movie i'm gonna give it a 2.5 out of 10 i really talked myself down out of it at the end like some of the nasty shit in there is like kind of yeah i was really some weird punching down stuff and then yeah just a lot of like weird this movie makes a, some odd requests of the audience that's what i'll say so yeah yeah, yeah, it's 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 a weird movie in not a good way. And as a spoof, yeah, uh, I th- I think it is a spoof of uh, apocalypse movies and stuff like that. Just not a very good one, or like it's trying to do so much that it actually doesn't like focus on that very much at all, and it leaves a lot of stuff on the table. So four point two. Seven out of ten. <laughs> oh, um, almost. You fucking nailed it, dude. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, M- Marty or Kelly, do you or you have a song for us? Marty. I do. Gentlemen, we're in late March, and we all know that once a year around this time of the year, there's a specific event that we all love to celebrate. Oh, fuck. The date may always change, but the meaning behind it carries in our hearts. It began many years ago, but is a tradition that continues to this day. That's right, folks. We're talking about WrestleMania. And to honor this year's version of the biggest wrestling pay-per-view of the year, I thought we'd take a peek at the musical career of a certain former certain former slash current slash part-time member of the WWE roster. And his name is John Cena. Let's take a listen to John Cena's theme song, The Time Is Now. song was the first track on John Cena's debut album titled You Can't See Me, which came out in 2005, right around the peak of Cena's ascension at the WWE ranks. This was a ca- collaboration album between Cena and his cousin, The Trademark. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Th- he's the artist behind that song? He like... <laughs> he sings on this, yes. He sings on it? I didn't know that. That's crazy. I thought they just picked a random song from like no. a you collection fu- you so, of WWE oh, owned songs. Were, you didn't I actually know were... that, but this is he had a short rapping career, yes, which <laughs> No, I had no fucking clue. Oh, I never wow. saw it. <laughs> gotcha. No, but oh, I really didn't you. know. Oh, okay. <laughs> so this was his only studio album. It had about seventeen tracks on it, all raps, 
But the only song of note is The Time Is Now, which quickly became his theme song in the wrestling world. It was like before that he had a different theme song. This became his theme song, and it is still his theme song to this day. All raps. The album features a lot of samples, and they were sued over the use of some of them. They got away with it because you can't really, you can't successfully can't sue see him. They tried to sue him. They tried to serve him the subpoena. They're like, where the fuck is this guy? <laughs> because you can't see him. Uh... Some of the tracks have appeared in other pieces of pop culture, notably Cena's movie The Marine and the FX drama The Shield. Not a big now. This is a big surprise, though. This album charted on the Billboard Top 200 charts. Where did it debut? Wow, uh, Top 200. Yes. Not the Top 100. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, gonna I'm gonna guess say... 120. I'm going to, in honor of James Franco, I'm going to say 127. Kelly gets it. It was number 15 on the two, top shit. 200. Oh, what the hell? Why do you always do this? <laughs> <laughs> now, we've talked about wrestling theme music before. Heck, we've dabbled on wrestling names. But this week's quiz, in honor of our friend slash rapper slash wrestler, John Cena, we're going to take a quick jaunt into wrestlers crossing into pop culture. In this week's quiz, who's that wrestler? I'm gonna Normally, tell you they thing. stay the heck out of pop culture. <laughs> Normally, they stay in the wrestling world. Yeah, they stay in the business world. <laughs> I mean, hey, they do, actually. I'm going to tell you a thing that a wrestler did, give you a few options, and you're going to tell me which wrestler fits the bill. So, for example, which wrestler released a rap album in 2005? Cena, Triple H, or Shawn Michaels? The answer would be John Cena. So, a lot of these are cameo-based, so just strap in for that, but we've got nine of these. So, gentlemen... Here we go with number one. In 1996, which professional wrestler appeared as one of the Santas in the Santa fight scene in the Arnold Schwarzenegger film Jingle All the Way? Is it The Undertaker, The Big Show, or Luthez? Hmm, The Undertaker would be too scary, so I'm going to say The Big Show. I'm going to say The Undertaker. It was The Big Show. Scott takes the first point. He was known as... He was known as the Giant at the time because he was still in WCW. And I showed my work on that one. <laughs> he did. Which gets you no bonus points. Oh. In 2002, which slim wrestler famously said, I've got you for three minutes. Three minutes of playtime in the film macho, Spider-Man. <laughs> macho, macho. Yeah. Macho, macho man. Kelly, Randy Savage. Randy Savage. No. Okay, you both get a point. You both get a point. Sorry. Sorry for... But it's that, just that one's so obvious. I'm sorry. Yeah. I should have mm. let you read the... Read your joke <laughs> example. I know you had one silly one in there. Come on. Uh, I think I had... No, I didn't actually have a silly one. I had three oh, okay. real ones. Because I knew you guys were going to get that one. In 2007, which professional wrestler transitioned from the squared circle of the WWE to the octagon of the UFC eventually becoming the heavyweight champ. Was it Brock Lesnar, Batista, or Goldberg? Brock Lesnar. Damn, that's what I would guess, too. So, just for fun, I'll say Batiste. We're tied up. It was Brock Lesnar. Which wrestler, number four, which wrestler started the heavy metal band Fozzie in 2000? Was it The Rock, Kurt Angle, or Chris Jericho? I'm going to say Chris Jericho, because it just sounds like the most hot topic name. Yeah. I'll go uh, whatever number two was, because it's Chris <laughs> Jericho. 
<laughs> it is Chris Jericho. Scott gets the point. He still does that band to this day, famously playing at Sturgis uh, Motorcycle Rally this last year and so catching COVID. Freaking cool, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, also, fun fact Chris Jericho's wife was at, I believe, was at the uh, insurrection at the Capitol this year, too. Fun oh times. Oh, my God. Sick. What a cool person. <laughs> she shall bring down the walls. <laughs> Number five, which professional wrestler is the current mayor of Knoxville, Tennessee? Is it Mick Foley, Kevin Nash, or Kane? Mayor Kane. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what was the question? Which professional wrestler is the current mayor of Knoxville, Tennessee? Kevin Nash. I'm going to say Mick Foley. You're both wrong. It is Kane. Glenn Jacobs is the mayor, <laughs> mayor of Knoxville, Kane. Tennessee. A mayor with one name. That's, that's <laughs> oh my god. Mayor Kane. Scott leads three to two, I believe. Which wrestler started a pasta restaurant chain that first opened at the Mall of America in Bloomington, Minnesota? No choices for this one, but I will give you a hint if you need it. The chain is named Pasta Mania. That. Hook. Is that a hint? Yes. Hulk Pos- Hogan. Everyone participates in WrestleMania. Scott got it. It is Hulk Hogan. Because Hulkamania, the Hulk-a-mania. other Mania. Right, famous whatever. mania in wrestling. <laughs> Number seven, there are many wrestlers who tried their hand at pro football after wrestling and many wrestlers who were football players first. Tell me, though, which NFL Hall of Famer also main evented a WrestleMania? As in, he went on last. He had the last match at a WrestleMania. This was WrestleMania 11 specifically, which took place in the early 90s. Was it early 90s? Was it Dan Marino, Will the Fridge Perry, or Lawrence Taylor? Will the Fridge Perry. Anyone with a nickname like that, it's got to be. So I'll say Lou Ferrigno. It was Lawrence Taylor was the one who main evented against Bam Bam Bigelow. (sighs) Kelly can still tie it up. He's got to get both these questions right to tie it up, though. Number eight, which former wrestler slash commentator served as governor of Minnesota from 1999 to 2003? Was it Vern Gagne, Roddy Piper, or Jesse the Body Ventura? Jesse the Body Ventura. (laughs) Jesse the Body Ventura. Scott takes it. Number nine is worth 100 points. (gasps) (laughs) This is a famous moment. Arguably, it's the one that really put wrestling on the map as a mainstream pop culture thing. So which wrestler famously punched comic Andy Kaufman on David Letterman's show? Oh, God. Was it Terry Funk, Ric Flair, or Jerry the King Lawler? Jerry Lawler. Ooh. Kelly takes it with 100 points at the end. Kelly is the winner of the quiz. It was this Jerry the King happening. Lawler. This has been happening. This is a new trend, I've noticed. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Where you dominate the quiz and then we just give it to Kelly at the end? No, I yeah, earned it, I gotta Scott. get better I earned at the these dub. last questions. It's my short game I gotta work on. <laughs> You're closing. You gotta close better. You gotta close yeah. better. That does it for this week's quiz on wrestlers and their... Other work outside of wrestling. Great. Oh, well, I guess all that leaves is... Kelly. Yeah, a novelty product. I should probably get my freaking essay up. Oh my god, he's got an essay? Yeah, I did I did some homey work. Homey work. Homey? Homey? Oh, yes, boys. I have a novelty product for y'all. 
and uh, it's a doozy. You know, we here at Spoof Scoops, we push the envelope when it comes to novelty products. We don't pull any punches. We're we're tr- we're pushing the barrier of what people may or may not consider to be novelty. Oh, Marty would certainly agree with that. <laughs> and this week, is it napkins? <laughs> the year 2015. The month September. On the 10th day of said month, the internet would explode from a three-minute announcement trailer for a video game that would eventually shake the world. That video game, boys? Pokemon Go. Oh. That video game, what did boys? You, what was your guess, Marty? <laughs> Octodad? Ah. Uh, no. Pokemon Go. <laughs> Uh, so this week I thought it'd be fun to take a small little dive into that aug- augmented reality game, Pokemon Go, the game that forces nerds off their couch and into the great yonder wild to try and make like Ash and catch them all. It also forces the millennials to the polls. Mm-hmm, truly. <laughs> so I don't. You guys remember that announcement trailer when it came out? It was like very hype. Uh, basically. Yeah, Marty still plays because he's a big. So, so it's this isn't a novelty product uh, to him. There might be another player here among us. Wow! So it's just not novelty. What the fuck, Marty? Boys. You still play? Oh my god! We need to trade friend codes. Yeah, what I still play fuck? occasionally, not that often. But and like the thing I played like last summer or two summers. The ago. fun thing with the game is they made it easier. You don't actually have to leave your house anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. If you just like log on like once an hour, basically, like yep, uh, yep. Um, so the trailer, I remember the trailer showed, it like showed two or three people and they were like walking around and like went into an alleyway and then like checked behind a dumpster and there was like a Charmander or something. And the Charmander was like vividly in the world that was, yeah, he was like camera. opening the trash can and like picking yeah. up a banana peel and like, right. Yeah. It was, it was something <laughs> stupid like that. And then the game actually came out and. Uh, it came out in July 2016. It was an insane response. It wasn't anything really like the trailer, but also the trailer, you know, overhyped it, like, on purpose. Yeah, and it was, like, like, sort of the first trailer to do that. Yeah, ever. (laughs) That's why it's novel. Uh... But like the 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 AR wasn't like the, the the if you had the Pokemon like superimpose on your camera it just like moved with the camera right like you could just like put it on top of somebody's head if you wanted like if you didn't have like a brand new phone it would also just like i mean even with a brand new phone it would like heat your phone up heavily oh, yeah. of all the, <laughs> that, like, oh yeah i bought a battery pack specifically to play this game longer um and like plug it in and walk around with my yeah phone and we're the nerds stuff. okay <laughs> no i'm just yeah uh, yeah i'm Obviously, speaking in jest whenever I call anyone a nerd. Yeah. Uh, so it was an insane response from everyone. There's literally like one of the craziest summers. I think a lot of people look back at it with like very, uh, like almost rose colored glasses, but uh, rose tinted glasses, but also like it was like a weirdly, it was a weird phenomenon where like you could meet people. You would see people walking around, playing it. You would talk to them. I don't think they had a friend code system in place yet. 
at that time like there was bare bones when they came out this with this game and like they were like oh we're working on this and this and this and this and if you ever played the game that niantic developed before this ingress uh you realize that it was like one of the laziest i think pokemon go is one of the laziest games created because of basically they took ingress's map changed the checkpoints in ingress to pokestops and then also imported 3d models from the pokemon xy series of games all the models are the same as the ones on the ds so it's funny and they only had the first i think it was just the kanto region ones first 150 pokemon yes correct in the original release oh i was gonna say uh to to your thing about it being a crazy summer i lived a block away from the uh, there was this infamous park in Milwaukee. Yeah, I'll get to that it. Had- I'll get okay, to okay, it. Okay, okay. I'll, get okay to I'll let you get to it. I'll let you get to it. Uh, so like I said, the game was, and I had... It's probably it's the still- only crazier summer than um, the summer of 2020, right, guys? Yeah, it's this... this <laughs> tw- Pokemon Go is the Y2K of a generation. It was the opposite. It was everybody was outside going places all the time. That was the crazy part. There was, there was people everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's it's an enjoyable experience. I do remember the first weekend the game came out. I was like out in a state park in Wisconsin, and I was like, "Cool, I'll be able to catch so much shit over here." No, that's not how it works. The game relies on like a heavily densely populated area for more and more Pokemon to spawn. So like the more people that gather, the more Pokemon spawn, the more you can catch. So that caused issues with people in rural communities where the Pokestops like thirty minute drive away. Uh, until I think McDonald's finally partnered with Pokemon Go, but that didn't get implemented until like six months or a year afterwards where all their McDonald's locations were Pokestops. Um, so rural players like literally did not have the same experience as Metropolitan players did. Uh, that said, and the, you know, in the Metropolitan areas, one of those Metropolitan areas that made the news had a reputation as one of the better spots, and it was Milwaukee's very own Lake Park. You could walk back and forth about a half a mile at Lake Park and hit a circle of Pokestops to farm items and spawn Pokemon alike. There are pretty much lures for Pokemon set up at every Pokespot, and then there was specifically a trinity of three Pokestops by this sort of waterfall cascading area that if you went there during that summer was packed with people. You would basically sit at these waterfall steps and just wait for Pokemon to spawn and hit the Pokestops and hang out like it was crazy i remember there being like hot dog vendors like people selling mm-hmm. pokemon uh items pins patches whatever yeah there was you know the big team uh i don't remember the names of the teams red blue and yellow um and like it was literally it was, like people were like dry like driving like hundreds of miles to come to this spot yeah. because of how dense it was yeah yeah so tangent time Milwaukee Parks Department made a lot of news because of this phenomena. Uh, Lake Park's Pokemon Go craze caused an insane uptick in foot traffic at the park that was pretty much only used by the neighborhood for walks before then. Um, You know, working out, biking, etc. And how dare these Poke nerds walk back and forth on walkways while tapping on their phone looking for rare catches... They were increasing litter, there was a lack of bathrooms, there were parking problems, and there were concerned neighbors. And that caused the Parks Department to request Niantic remove Pokestops from their park. So people thought, 
However, the Parks Department later clarified that they didn't want the stops removed, they just wanted Niantic to pay a permit fee to host the virtual Pokestops, or move the Pokestops, or close them at 10 p.m. when the park closes. It's basically like this huge phenomenon that's making billion, probably, I think it had to have made like a billion dollars in the first summer, maybe, pretty close, because of the popularity of it. Yeah. And they were like saying this stuff as though they, you know, the app developers would listen and change things. And they eventually had a neighborhood board meeting in September of 2016 addressing concern from both sides. And I remember vividly being like, they should stop caring because this is going to be over. Like mm-hmm. the the amount of popularity that this game would have, I think it was going to be over after the winter. Like, I don't think it, it would turn into summer and people would go back and play it like as, as many people would. It'd be a more manageable amount of people. They had a neighborhood board meeting, 2016, September. It was a one and a half hour meeting and it consisted of 60 minutes of introductions from the panel and then an absolute shit show 30 minute Q&A where residents voice concerns and Pokemon players loudly voice their concerns as well. Uh, They wanted, basically the parks department was not okay with the answer of just wait until winter's over it's not going to be this crazy next summer and they wanted immediate action so in the meeting they held you know they from what i read the dumbest thing about it was that they were making suggestions as though the people at the meeting would be able to change that stuff they wanted this (laughs) they wanted they were like well you know why don't we just move some of the pokestops to veterans park there's a lot more room there it's that's a nearby park for people who don't live in Milwaukee. It's by the lake. It's huge. It's got a ton of grass, ton of space. It's not in a rich, boozy neighborhood. It's on the lake, so there's really mm, no neighborhood. Now around we're hitting it. the real reason that this was happening. That is, it was crazy. It was just insane. But they were like saying, like, well, what if you just close the stops at 10 p.m.? That's not how the game works. That's not no. how like the none. Of, there was no one from Niantic at this board meeting, and they were acting like them pitching these suggestions would generate enough popularity and change that it would work out for everyone. And that's like the most insane thing to me is it's similar to like the recent Congress meetings about social media and them asking Zuckerberg like, so you're tracking my device all the time, right? And it's like, dude, you don't, yeah, maybe, but like, it's just wild. Like you're so unplugged from what that should have been about. So in October of 2016, a month after the meeting, Niantic did end up removing the Pokestops from Lake Park, which, you know, should have pretty much ended the controversy, I think, in general. There was no reason for this to continue. However, in February of 2017, the Parks Department would take matters into their own hands to prevent this problem from happening again in the future, and they started requiring Pokemon Go and other similar trans-reality games to request permits to hold virtual spots in the game. So that got passed in February of 2017. In April of 2017... A different California-based game developer, Candy Lab Incorporated, would file a lawsuit against the Milwaukee County Parks Department, claiming the permit requirements were unconstitutional and violated the right to freedom of speech. Eventually, they would settle with Milwaukee, uh, or sorry, they were settled out of court with Milwaukee, paying the legal fees for Candy Lab, which was $83,000. It was paid for by Milwaukee County's insurance, but still. $83,000 going to attorneys for something that should have been over. Like, you didn't have Mm -hmm. to make this stupid rule. For something that literally is fucking data on a server. That's all it fucking amounts to. Like, yeah. yeah. And, like, I get it. The parks aren't designed to host thousands of people seven days a week. And it was, like, 
I truly don't think it would have continued after that winter. I think it would have died out quite a bit. I know a lot of people still play Pokemon Go, but I don't think there would have been people walking up and down in Lake Park, driving hundreds of miles to get there. No, that like, shit was done. That shit was, was done, done after like two weeks. It was a one summer activity. Yeah, I participated in it. It was a lot of mm-hmm. fun. It was crazy seeing the hype around it. But yeah, it just didn't. It felt like this was going to die off and they just weren't okay with it they weren't okay with putting their money on that and waiting to see what happens. Part yeah, of this might've been because I was passing out torches and pitchforks and trying to radicalize <laughs> that. I was like, Mewtwo and Giovanni are in these rich people's houses and we must stop them. There are some good audio clips of the meeting. Uh, I got a lot of this info because Milwaukee record did a really good job of reporting on this. Luckily, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got a lot of this info and they have some good recordings of like some very passionate Pokemon Go players that are just sort of cringeworthy to oh, hear. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, it's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> You're gonna make headlines breaking the hearts of thousands. No oh my God. millions of people. Like, yeah, there was like <laughs> oh, one no. report of uh uh one kid wearing a I think it was like a Rage Against the Machine t shirt and like a top hat. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck yeah it was slash also i think the the city council at one point was like well what if we make an alternative app called digimon stage <laughs> wasn't i think at one point when they when they first requested the like permit they pay a permit for it i think they requested that they pay like it was some insane amount of money Probably. per user like they were saying yeah. you have to anybody who's using the app you have to pay for that it was and it was like asked it was like billions of dollars you're asking for them to pay for this permit it was like you're not even doing this to actually get what you want you're just doing this to be like fucking assholes about this like it was so mishandled the whole thing was yeah. so mishandled i think a pretty like good temporary solution would just be charging people for parking probably like they could buy a permit for like 20 bucks you can park for free down there i know yeah yeah, for sure those you like or putting in some meters temporary meters i don't know yeah like it seems really absurd to me that they were like no like everything we were basically you have to pay us for each user and like they they were very out of touch with the whole situation as you well. know what i say i i might be like a fucking hardliner on this public parks yeah, it's public yeah. anybody can fucking use it whenever they want for however long they want we all paid for it you so you chose to live next to it you knew it was a public park yeah Yes. Yeah. Yes. They, That's they the were, thing ultimately. I think that was like a lot of speculation on like that those residents being really upset about how many people were there and like exaggerating like oh they threatened violence on me or whatever and it's just like dude fuck off you live in like a million dollar that was home just me <laughs> right by the lake like this is gonna be a one year thing it's not ruining your neighborhood it's so stupid they're just mad about like the litter they put more trash cans in they could have just maybe had you know hired more people to like pick up the trash more often have they had a park inmates. ranger handing out fines that's fine go at you but you have they were ticketing rangers. i remember them you ticketing people after 10 p.m too for trespassing in the park after it closed and like having cops be like you got to get the hell out of here like 
they were doing a lot of different things to try to combat it, but they just like went so hardline on it and like literally jumped the gun in February 2017 and then gave attorneys $83,000, which like the Milwaukee residents didn't end up having to pay. It's insurance, but you know how insurance works. Like we're paying, we're probably paying higher premiums for insurance now as taxpayers. Like it's fucking stupid. So yeah. Anyways, Pokemon Go, it's uh, currently the fifth highest grossing mobile game of all time with $6.46 billion, according to Wikipedia. So, very fun. Well done, Kelly. That was just a fun debacle that I always want to talk about and realized, hey, that's kind of, this is kind of a novelty product. A yeah, little bit. totally. Yeah, well-researched. The when you buy when you buy the incubators, that's the yeah, that's the the rip off in game items. The microtransactions are uh, those are the those are the real those are the real novelty products all along. Those are the real. Turns out the microtransactions are the real novelty products all along. <laughs> Quick tangent: Have you guys heard about the FIFA debacle? Uh, for apparently some. There's like an investigation happening on FIFA because like one of their employees was like selling uh, ultimate microtransaction. Like <sighs> microtransactions in video games have devolved into like lottery type systems where you uh, scratch off type systems where you pay two dollars and you try to get lucky and get a super rare item or you just get duplicate common items. And there was one guy at EA that like basically was farming these super rare ultimate items and then selling them like on the black market like and making a bunch of money by in private it's so fucked so they're Damn. shutting that down but that's like pretty much how all the sports games are these days is like you pay 60 dollars for the base game and then have to pay like hundreds of dollars to unlock everything through scratch off chess ea treasures. baby ea yeah. sucks essentially it's kind of like i just i made um this episode a non-fungible token so i hope the one listener is really enjoying this up Oh no, now we gotta do the non-fungible token as our cold open. Oh man. God, okay. Someone we should have sold our cold open, guys. Okay, I open the door. Hello, sir. Are you here to sell me a non-fungible token? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, sir. May I inter- I have like <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I open my trench coat and it's like lined with just like c- cut out pictures of like memes or like whatever, like pictures of fucking waterfalls. And I'm like, may I interest you in some of these non, these tokens can't be funged. Nah, I want that pie guy back. I want the pie guy back. Give me the District pie guy. Pie symbol. Hey, is that asshole trying to sell you non-fungible oh, tokens? No, dear. No, no. He's trying to sell me pies, apparently. Again. I you remember non-fungible no, tokens. No non-fungible oh. tokens in our household. No, oh, sir. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't had non-fungible tokens since I was a little girl. The other partners <laughs> in my thruple are so irritating, guys. <laughs> hey. Thanks. Thanks That's gonna do it for us for listening. <laughs> we really appreciate it. Did you want me to say that? All right. Bye. Bye. Let's see. Romantic comedies. Next week we're doing the war with grandpa. Is apparently a very popular romantic comedy. Do that. <laughs>